Good morning. Welcome to Faith Bible Fellowship Church. My name's Ricardo. I'm the one of the elders here, and we're so glad that you guys decided to worship with us this morning. On this last Sunday of 2020, who's excited? Who is excited? Only four more days left, and we are going into 2021. And I don't know about you guys, but I am excited. I am hopeful for a better 2021. I hope you guys are too, or maybe you're not. Maybe you're not looking forward to 2021. Maybe you're like, 2020 has been such a crazy year that um, I'm not sure what's going to happen in 2021. And so you're probably either going into 2021 with some hope, or maybe you're going into 2021 with a little bit of pessimism. Not sure what to expect. But um, no matter what, no matter what happens, um, the Lord is still sovereign. He still reigns. And that doesn't matter what happens, doesn't matter what's going on in our life, that will remain true no matter what happens. And so when Wes came to me and asked me to preach this Sunday, and he said, you can either keep going in First John, or since we weren't in First um, John last week, you can choose something different. And so as I prayed about it and thought about it, I landed on, on doing something different, um, not being in First John. And so we'll be back in First John next week. But um, this week, I wanted to um, go over Psalm 90 with us. As I was preparing, as I was thinking about what to preach on this morning, um, God really put it on my heart as I was reading this a couple weeks ago that just to share this with you guys and share what he's been putting on my heart. Because I believe when we look at Psalm 90, there's a lot of good things that we can glean for that, that we need to understand when it comes to who God is that really should form the foundation for us as we go into a new year, as we go into this 2021 and trying to put 2020 behind us. So um, that's what we're going to be in. We're going to be in all of Psalm 90, which is 17 verses, but we're going to jump around a little bit on um, some background real quick on Psalm 90. It's the only Psalm that is written by Moses of all the 150 Psalms. This is the only one that is accredited to him. And so it's um, some believe that this is probably perhaps the oldest piece of scripture that we have, that this predates the book of Job. And so um, it's old, it's, it's nice, and it's written during the wilderness period of Israel, when Moses and Israel were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. That is when Moses just sat down one day and wrote this beautiful psalm. So I just wanted to make that aware, have that in the back of your minds, that that's the context of what Moses is writing this psalm is. All the truth that he's writing here, it's in the midst of just wandering in the desert, wandering in the, in the, in the wilderness for 40 years, and he just sits down as he's trying to think about life, as he's trying to qu answer the question, what is wisdom? This is what he writes. It's in the midst of these trials, in the midst of these difficulties that he writes this psalm. So I just wanted to kind of have that in the back of your mind, and I think with that in mind and just looking at the year that we've had here in 2020 with COVID and all of the unrest and all the questions that we have regarding the election, I believe this is a good place to kind of stand our feet on and have the foundation as we go into this new year. So if you're with me, if you can turn to Psalm 90 and we'll read all 17 verses. Um, this is Psalm 90, verse 1. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. 
Ye return man to dust and say, O return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and it is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and as for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants, and your glorious power to your children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of your hands. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, and and we just humble ourselves before your throne, Father. That no matter what is happening, Lord, no matter what is going on in life, whether we're in the midst of good times or in the midst of bad times, your word does not stumble. Your word does not come back void, Father. You are the eternal, everlasting God. And that doesn't matter. The truth of your scripture does not matter according to how we're feeling, according to what we're doing, Lord. It is always true, Father. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to just come before you, sing songs of praise, Father. Listen to your word preach. Lord, spend time in prayer, Father. There's so many other places that don't have this opportunity, Lord, and we thank you for that blessing. May this time be a time of of growth, of edification, Father. May you use me to speak truth into your children's lives, Father. Keep us safe, Lord. Eliminate any distractions that we may have, Father. May we just spend the next several moments in your word. May it be a time of growth. May it be a time of conviction, Father. May the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be edifying to your children, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. And like I said, this is I wanted to share this psalm because I, I feel like there is so much truth in this psalm. And we have to have a firm understanding of who God is. If we're going to move forward, if, we're, if we want to have a good year, if we want to remain faithful to God, we first and foremost have to have a good understanding of who God is. And one of those things is that God does not change. He is the same Yesterday, today, and forever, as we see that in, Psalm, in Hebrews 13, 8. As Pastor West says, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. So who is God? That leads me to my first point. God is eternal. We get this from verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth. Wherever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. 
What is Moses talking about here? He's talking about the eternal existence of God, that God has always existed, that he precedes the creation of the world, that God does not fit into our little cute, perfect thought of what time is, that he formed the earth, that he brought forth the mountains. That's what Psalms 33, 6-7 says. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the depths in storehouses. Our God is eternal. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is the creator of the world that we live in, the ground that we stand in, the seats that we sit in. God created everything. He created us as well. He predates predates our own concept of time. He simply always was. He's the eternal God who there is no end. And that's important for us to understand that that's who God is. That he is simply eternal, that he is everlasting, that he pre just created everything. And this God who's so powerful, this God who is eternal, he's also our dwelling place. We see this in verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Or depending on your translation, you may see you are our our refuge, our shelter, our our home, or, or our sanctuary. That in the time when things aren't going well, when things aren't going good for you, that you can still look and turn to God and he is your dwelling place. He is the place where you can go and find strength. He is the place you can go and find stability. Is in God. Ezekiel eleven sixteen says, Therefore, they'll say, Thus says the Lord God, Though I remove them far from among the nations, and though I scatter them among the countries, yet I have been a sanctuary to them for a while in the countries where they have gone. What Ezekiel is saying here is that even when Israel was scattered, even when they were in exile, God still was their sanctuary. That means that no matter what you're going through, no matter how difficult life may be, no matter how bad of a year you may have had in 2020, the Lord is still your dwelling place. He is still the place where you can turn to and find refuge in God. The eternal God is our dwelling place. He is who we turn to when we need to find the extra strength to just get by the day. And this is the ground that we have to build our hope in. It's in who God is, not in who we like God to be, not in what we believe God to be, but what the scripture says who God is. Moses is writing this as they're wandering in the desert. As they're feeling the chastisement of God for their, their rebellion towards God, he can still sit there and say, God, you are our dwelling place. You've always been our dwelling place. From generations to generations, we can turn to you and find sustenance and find stability and find protection. If Moses can say this while they're wandering in the wilderness, how more true should this be of us that no matter what's going on, No matter how life is going for you, the Lord who is eternal, who is everlasting to everlasting, is your dwelling place. The next thing we see here in Psalm 90 is that our God is sovereign. That means God is sovereign over all things, including our lives. 
We like to say that. We like to proclaim that with our mouths. But functionally, we don't like that to be true in our own lives. We like to say that God is sovereign. But what does that mean for God to be sovereign? It means that he is in control of all things, even our lives. We like to hold on to that. We like to think that maybe not. God can be sovereign over there, but he can't be sovereign in my little bubble. God is sovereign at all times over all things, even death. Verse 3. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. This idea of you return man to dust, this points us back to Genesis 3.19, to the curse of Adam, where he says, By the sweat of your face you shall eat your bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. That's what Moses is alluding to here. That he turns, as the NASB says, you turn man back into dust. You return man to the dust. That God is in control of the life that we live, and he's in control of when we live and when we die. We won't die a second sooner or a second later than what God has ordained it. That God is sovereign over all. He is sovereign in life and death. He is sovereign in sorrow and joy. He is sovereign whether you have wealth or whether you don't. He is sovereign in good times and bad, whether you're feeling pain or whether you're healthy. And in all, God is sovereign. That truth does not cease to be according to what our emotions tell us, according to the year that we've had. God is sovereign. And that's the biggest problem with us today is that we oftentimes, we determine who God is according to our circumstances, according to the way that we feel, according to the way that life is going. We determine whether God is certain things. Now, I'll tell you what, that's not the case. God is sovereign whether you want him to be sovereign or not. The God that we serve The God that we sing songs to is a powerful God. He is an eternal, everlasting God that is in control at all times. To paint this picture of of God's power, of his might. Moses goes on to talk about how, how time really doesn't function with God the way we want it to function. For a thousand years in your sight, but are as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. God is outside our standard of time. For a thousand years to God is like that. It comes fast. Can you even imagine how long a thousand years is? If you try to think back a thousand years ago, what, what was happening? We didn't even have medicine. But to God, that was just like it was yesterday. It says, as a watch in the night. Have you ever gone to bed and you've slept six, seven hours and you wake up and you feel like it's only been five minutes? You're like, where has that gone? It's been eight hours. That's what my clock is telling me, but it doesn't feel that way. That's how fast time is to God. That's how, much, how fast a thousand years is to God. That's what it means as a watch in the night here in verse four. God is eternal. He is sovereign. He does not fit into our little box that we want him to fit. He's in control of all things. 
even our lives. He says, you see this in verse 5, you sweep them away as with a flood, and they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and it is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. Our time here on earth is short. We may feel like it's been a while. We may feel like living to 80 sounds really good, but it really isn't nothing compared to who God is. Death is inevitable for us. That's what it means. We can't avoid it. It's like a flood. When God says it's time, it's time to go. You ever have that image? You ever seen a video of a river that, that is just flooding because of so much rain after, after weeks or days of torrential downpour and it overflows and it floods and everything in it paths is destroyed and it just, it just gets swept away? That's how our, our time here on earth is. It's swept away like a flood, like a dream. Our God is eternal and our God is sovereign. And we have to, we have to understand what that means. Functionally, the, what that means should affect the way we worship. It should affect the way we do church. It should affect the way that we, we are, do life amongst one another. For our God to be eternal and our God to be sovereign, it should affect us in a way where we are in all of God. Because of this, because God is the creator of everything, because he is eternal, because he is all-powerful, he has a right as the rightful king, as creator of everything, to rule the earth the way he pleases. He doesn't have to consider what we like, consider what we believe. He is God, and he will do as he pleases. This leads me to my next point, that God is a God of justice. And we like that. We like the idea that God is just. But what does that mean? It means for that to be true, for for God to be a God of justice, that means that God must take sin seriously. The sin that we have in our life, the sin that we commit, God has to deal with that in a just manner. We like God, and we like to say God is justice, but when it comes to our sin, do we really like that God is a just God? Moses says here in verse 7, For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. Moses understood the wrath of God. He understood the anger of God. And don't forget the setting here. They, they've rebelled against God. And they're in the midst of receiving what the God's anger. They're feeling God's anger. They're feeling God's chastisement. They're feeling God's wrath for their disobedience, for their disbelief. We know the story, right, in Numbers, Numbers 14, where, where God tells them to send the spies out because they're right there. They're about to see the land, the promised land. And so they send out a spy from each tribe. And they go out for 40 days, and, and the spies come back. And really, 11 of the 12 spies, they give a pretty bad report. This is bad. They're strong. They're, they're big. And what does the people of Israel say? In Numbers 14, when it says, Yet they were afraid, and after the report of the spies, then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would it that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in the wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. 
would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. This is the same people who, who God had delivered out of Egypt, who God has sent the tape plagues, who God has spared their firstborn sons, who God parted the Red Seas for. And yet, when they see a little adversary, they turn and they rebel against God. And so God wants, he needs to punish their disobedience. And Moses intercedes on Israel's behalf. And so he says, you know what? Those who have seen these miracles, they will not see the promised land. And so they wander in the wilderness for 40 years for those who, who rebelled against God. That is how God takes care of sin. That is how God judges the sin in our life. That is the wrath of God on a people. And we want to say that God is a just God. Do we truly know what that means? That God must deal with sin appropriately. So what happened with Israel? What went wrong? Why, why do they see all these miracles and yet rebel against God? They see God deliver them and yet they turn from God and say, God can't do this. I know he did that over there. I know he delivered us over there. But there's no way God is going to do this. They lack the proper understanding of who God is. As it says in verse 11 here in Psalm 90, Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? Israel did not have a proper fear of God. What is the fear of God? We see this in Psalm 11, 11, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. We see that same thing said again in Proverbs 1, 7. We see it again in Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So what does it mean to have the fear of the Lord? Am I talking about a trembling? Am I talking about the type of fear you see when people are walking in a movie or maybe when you're watching some type of horror film? This fear of the Lord is this reverence towards God. It's to see God, who he truly is, and be all in all of who God is. That is what Israel lacked. They saw God. They saw God deliver on promises before, but they did not have an all of God. They did not fear God for who he was, the eternal, everlasting, sovereign God, all powerful, all holy God. And so they turned from him and they rebelled against him. They did not revere God. They did not have faith in God. They did not have their trust in God. They didn't humble themselves before God. They didn't recognize God as God. They didn't see God as being great, as being all-powerful, as being omniscient over all. They didn't see God as being holy and just. And if we're truth, if we're honest with ourselves, we oftentimes don't see God the same way. We don't see God as being all-powerful. We don't trust in God the way that we need to trust. We don't recognize that God is sovereign and he is in control and that no matter what we're going through, God is still in control. His sovereignty does not depend on your life. It does not depend on whether things are going good for you. God is simply sovereign. We do not have a proper fear of God. That is why if your hope going into 2021 is built on anything other than God, it's going to fall apart. If your hope going into 2020 is built on your job or on a loved one or on different opportunities that may arise, your world will crumble. 
If your hope is built on anything else than the word of God going into this new year, you will at some point be disappointed. No one a year ago would have thought that we would have gone through a pandemic. And some people's worlds were crumbled by everything that has happened this year. It's because their hope, they didn't have a proper fear of who God is. We need to put our trust, our hope on the word of God and who the scripture says God is. Not us, not our feeling, not our attitudes, not our loved ones, but what the scripture says who God is. God is a just God, and he is a wrathful God, as the scripture says. So you cannot have God's mercy. You cannot have God's grace without God's wrath. You can't have a proper understanding of the grace that you've been given, of the mercy that you've been given, if you don't understand what you're being saved from. That the wrath of God is a very real thing. And in order for us to have a proper understanding of what mercy is, of what God's grace is, we have to understand that we are being delivered from something. That we are being saved from the wrath of God through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Leads me to my fourth and final point. That God is a merciful God see this in in verse verse 14 satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days satisfy us with your steadfast love or or depending on your translation you may see your unfailing love your faithful love or as the king james says satisfy us er, us early with thy mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days What does it mean for God's love to be steadfast? What does it mean for God's love to be unfailing or faithful? It means that it's unmovable. It means it's not subject to change. God's love for you, his mercy for you, does not change according to what's going on in your life, according to the sin in your life. God will always be merciful and graceful towards his children. His steadfast love as Derek Thomas puts it, it's, it's his God's covenant mercy. It's God's special mercy for his children. It's God's cross-centered mercy. It's God Christ-centered mercy that he has for his love. That's what it means to be renewed by his steadfast love. It's to be reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ on a daily basis. Moses is saying here, this is how we need to start our mornings. We need to be satisfied in the morning with your steadfast love we go into this new year we have to be reminded of that every morning the fact that we are sinners but by at the same time we are saved by grace that's how we need to be starting our morning that's my challenge to you church is as you go about this year make it a habit to wake up and be reminded of the gospel of jesus christ To wake up, understand that you are sinners and you deserve the wrath of God. But by the same God, you have been given mercy. You have been given grace because of what his son has done, has did on the cross. We need to be reminded of that. That's how our mornings need to be started. What does it say, that second part of 14? That we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Be reminded of God's love and mercy for you. 
each and every morning. That's my challenge, is do that. Wake up in the morning and think about the love of God over your life, the mercy that he's extended to you, how much you deserve something else, but God gave you his son. He gave his son to die on on the cross on your behalf. If we're not starting our mornings like that, if we're not being reminded of that on a daily basis, we will forget who God is. We need to be reminded of God's steadfast love. And I would like to just real quick address our brothers and sisters here, those who, who, who claim to know God, who claim to have their faith in God, who, who call themselves children of God. And I want to point you back to verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. And like I said, what does it mean for God to be your dwelling place? It means that's who when you go, when, when life gets a little difficult, that you can turn to God. You can find strength in God. You can find stability in God's character and who the scriptures say God is. Understand this. If you are a child of God, if you are part of the body of, of Christ, then you, the God who is eternal, the God who is sovereign, the God who is just and merciful, calls you his own. And God's love for you does not change according to the latest trends, according to what's happening in the world. God will always love his children, will always extend grace and mercy to his children because of what his son did on the cross. God does not cease to be powerful. And you as children of God, you are always connected to him. You are never left alone. We have to live according to that truth. And that's the truth that's going to bring unity here. That's the truth that's going to help us love one another better. That's the truth that's going to help us pray for one another, help us lay hands on each other, to check in on one another, to do life with one another. We have to understand who we are in Christ. We have to understand who God is. That he is the eternal, everlasting, sovereign God who deals with sin in a just manner, but at the same time has given us the mercy that we do not deserve, but because of what his son did on the cross, we have been given that mercy. And you may be here, maybe you don't have faith in God. Maybe you're, you're looking at, at me and saying, you know what, I don't believe in anything that you're saying. Or, or, and, I, and I'm here to tell you that that same grace, that same mercy that we know so intimately, that can be for you as well. We have to understand, first and foremost, that God is the creator of the world. That he created everything. The very world that we live in, God created it. And he therefore, as the creator of it, has a right to tell us how to live. And because... Of what of, of because of Adam falling short, we all have fallen short of God's glory. That is the truth. That is what Scripture tells us. That's Romans three twenty two. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we've all sinned. Every single person on this earth has sinned. And Romans six tells us that sin that that all deserve death because of sin. But. It doesn't end there. 
Jesus Christ came. He lived that perfect life. He followed all of God's commands perfectly, which we can't do. And because of that, he went to the cross and he laid his life on the cross and our sins are being laid upon him. And the death that Jesus died was a death that was meant for rebellious sinners like us. But he took that on himself. And because of that, and because he rose again, now that love of God, that mercy of God, the grace of God is extended to all those who respond to that truth and say, I will put my faith in God. I will put my trust in God. And so it all depends how you respond to that truth. If you respond to that truth and you, and you choose to believe it, then you will be at peace with God today. And if anyone here is struggling with that, struggling with what it means to have faith in God, what it means to believe in Jesus Christ and his work, talk to us. Talk to me. Talk to anyone you've seen on this stage. Talk to Pastor Wes. We would love to just talk about what that means to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. How you respond to that truth will determine whether you have peace with God today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you and we thank you because your word tells us that, that you are our dwelling place. We don't, we, we, don't, we don't lose sight of what that means, that this God who is all-powerful, this God who, who created everything, who can just get rid of everything with just us, just a snap of his fingers, Father. You, you look down on us and you send your son to die for us and we thank you for that, Lord. We praise you for that, God. As we go into this new year, may we be reminded of that, Lord. May we be reminded of the truth of your scripture, Father. May we choose to live according to your word, not according to our feelings, not according to what the world tells us to do, Lord, but may we live according to your scriptures. May, may we dig into your scriptures. May that be the foundation that we build our lives here going into 2021, Father, that you are eternal, that you are sovereign, that you are a just God and you are a merciful God. May that truth reign true for us, Lord. We go, we ask that you give us grace the rest of this day. As we go about the rest of this day, Lord, may we take time to be with family. May we take time to ponder your truths, Father. May we place you on the rightful, and that is air over all, Father. Give us strength and give us wisdom and give us peace today, Father. We pray all this in your son's mighty and powerful name.